Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Tilma, your complete tool center. Proudly WA owned and operated for over 40 years. This is The Drive Show with Peter Vlahos. Yes, another messy day for the AFL on the back end of uh, what was revealed this morning. I know it's been well covered during the day on SEN. But for those people driving home, whether you are listening to us on 657 in Perth, on SEN Spirit 621 in Bunbury and throughout the southwest, in the goldfields of 1611 on digital radio at SEN Peel or on the SEN WA app. Yep, a pretty ordinary day for the AFL. As a community, if you haven't heard, we probably have, even if it's been sort of whispers in the office that uh, firstly Hawthorne and former Hawthorne coach Alistair Clarkson has addressed the serious allegations levelled against him during his tenure as head coach at the Hawks, refuting any allegation of wrongdoing or misconduct. He's defending himself after three Indigenous families involved at Hawthorne during Clarkson's time as coach between 2005 and 2021 told the ABC in a report released today that they were allegedly bullied and told to choose between their football careers and their families. Now, earlier this year, Hawthorne commissioned an external review into claims of racism at the club during Clarkson's tenure as coach. His assistant at the time, that is Clarkson's assistant, Chris Fagan, has since mutually agreed to take leave of absence from the Lions while North Melbourne said that Clarkson won't commence his role at the club until the investigation is complete. Clarkson said, and I quote, I have today contacted the president of North Melbourne Football Club and we have mutually agreed that I will step back from my responsibilities at the club so I can hopefully cooperate in the investigation. Now, former Hawthorne captain in Luke Hodge says the allegations of racism against the club have made for very uncomfortable reading. Oh, it was it was a tough read. There's there's no doubt. I think anyone who who goes through that, you it, it's it's a, it's uncomfortable to to go through and read. Uh, and your your first thought go to the players that went through it, the partners and the families that they went through because it doesn't matter what your job is. Um, it's always family first, and that's the the first people that you look after. Um, so to to go through and read that, um, and the the what's been alleged is it's it's very uncomfortable, and and you you sort of you want to put yourself, no, you you can't put yourself in the position of those players and their families and what they've been through and what they've told um, by by people who they're supposed to look up to. It's it's an uncomfortable position for for them to go through, and, and you and you feel for them. Has it left you second guessing your your? I mean, this is your era. This is your time. These were your teammates. Yeah. Um, to be honest, I've only had it for about an hour. So yep. I'm, I'm still a bit um, unsure of my thought process because it's, it's, it's a shock to the system because reading some of the, the things that were alleged in that, it's, it's shocking, terrible. Um, 
but yeah, you sort of you sit back and, and does it dampen the? But what we went through as a group, um, we had a lot of successful years, but at this stage, that's irrelevant because of what young blokes were told or what they were put through. Um, it's such when you when you get drafted to a football club, it's supposed to be an exciting time of your life. It's supposed to be hey, my life's changed now. I've got a pathway for the next 10, 15 years, hopefully. Um, that's not what happened with, with these young kids. Mm. Interesting. That's Luke Hodge, of course, a legend at the Hawthorne Football Club. Sean Burgoyne, who was during uh, that period at the Hawthorne Footy Club, as we know, uh, just uh, celebrated retiring after 400 career games. Sam Mitchell is the current coach. On Channel 7 today, this is what they had to say. It's very confronting considering I was there um, and I wasn't involved in any of it because I would have helped and I would have definitely um, been able to hopefully uh, prevent some of those things from happening. When I woke up and, and read it this morning, I was um, upset, I guess. And I think you used the word um, disturbed. I think that's probably accurate. The fact that as we were part of the organisation at that time, it's um, enormously troubling now. Can I also say any investigation, whether it's done in four quarters, a four corners or the 7.30 report, the ABC is very credible when they come to these investigations. And they don't release anything until they have all the facts in front of them. And the fact that the report was released this morning suggests that they knew exactly what they were doing. They got all the material from speaking to the three individuals concerned and their families before they went public with it. As I said, the Australian Broadcasting Corporation is very credible. And as we see, a lot of reports that are featured on Four Corners in particular get a lot of traction because a lot of investigative reporting goes into it. Gillian McLaughlin would uh, think this is the last thing the AFL would have needed in grand final week. It's taken all the focus away from the grand final and will for the next two or three days. There's no question. People will pause at 12.30 Perth time to view the AFL grand final, but the investigations will continue, you think, for a little time to come. What we've seen today is a challenging, harrowing and disturbing read. And I acknowledge the hurt, the anger and the grief of the people who have shared their experiences and told their stories and all of those impacted. I want to say to the women and the partners and also the players who have shared their stories that our first priority is to you and to provide the care and the support that you need. You've, heard, you've been heard and as a support and a community, we will do our best to wrap our arms around you and support. And it's important that we continue to communicate with you and to you. These are serious allegations. It's important that we treat them appropriately whilst also ensuring the formal process provides support to those impacted and also natural justice to those people who are accused. This is a process that is appropriate, that is held independent of the normal AFL Integrity Department response. As such, we are appointing an external independent panel that will be made up of four people led by an eminent King's Council. The independent panel that we will finalise over the next 24 hours will be appropriately skills-based and have the right mix of diversity, 
and an approach that prioritises cultural safety for all those who have shared their experiences. We need to run a proper investigation to get to the bottom of it, and this is important, out of respect for those making the allegations and out of respect for those being accused. We need to provide natural justice and allow that process to go on, but we will seek to have that panel in place as quickly as possible and work with the Hawthorne Football Club, the consultant who prepared the report and the players and partners involved to engage with them to expedite it and not extend the trauma. There are so many people who are hurting today and have been hurting for a long time. And to all of them, I want to acknowledge that hurt. And so that as a game, we will do everything to ensure that the hurt you experienced is not a hurt that is experienced by others. First it was Collingwood not so far oh, long ago, now it's Hawthorne. And uh, Miss Tanya Hosh is actually the General Manager of Inclusion and Social Policy at the AFL. This is what she had to say. I think the country has a bigger problem. When the Do Better report was released, I said very plainly then that I think if you looked at any organisation in the country, specifically for um, issues in relation to the treatment, cultural safety of Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people, you would anticipate finding a problem. I don't think we're immune to that. It's really clear that we're not. Um, and so we will definitely think in broader scope when the time is right. But we've got a really urgent, pressing issue right here and now, which has to take absolute priority. But of course, we're thinking about the broader issues. Yeah, but the other thing I questioned Tanya on what she had to say, and that's fair enough, it's a broader community issue. But the AFL have got so much money and they've got all the tools and they've got people that are employed to look after this situation and educate the players and educate the staff when it comes to racism, when it comes to the female gender and everything to do with it. Now, the general community doesn't have those tools to educate individuals. The AFL has, and it keeps, the head keeps bobbing up again above the water. And this is quite a serious allegation. And as I said, I've got the utmost faith that the investigation conducted by the ABC reporter slash journalist has been a long time in the making and they have got all the facts together and now have delivered that damning report this morning. That's really shook the foundations of the AFL. So we'll have to wait and see what transpires going forward, but it's really a pity in more ways than one that the timing isn't better for the AFL, but this is a bigger issue than certainly at this stage what the game is on Saturday. When I read it this morning, I was just disgusted with what I was reading. But anyway, everybody's got their own opinion and we'll let the process play out. And certainly two individuals that are high profile currently in the AFL would know exactly, you'd think, what transpired. One has, of course, stepped away from his position as coach of the Brisbane Lions Footy Club. And the other one that's due to take up an appointment come November the 1st has decided that he will not take up that position until the investigation is complete. Okay, we'll leave it at that. Uh, we'll come back with more on the general sport after the break. I'll speak to Troy Cook, and can I preface by saying that I spoke to Troy Cook before this news broke. So this is a recorded interview that I had with Troy, 
in the last 12 to 24 hours. It was before the latest story broke. Therefore, I would have certainly, had it been now, would have asked the question of Troy, of course, from an Indigenous background. But Troy Cook's going to join us. After all, he played with the Sydney Swans for three years and he joined the Swans uh, in the 1996 National Draft, coming from the Perth Footy Club. And it was there when Tony Lockett was there and some real big names, Paul Ruse and co. Paul Kelly, uh, Michael O'Loughlin. So we're going to relive with Troy Cookie's days at the Sydney Swans. His thoughts on Fremantle and how he thinks the AFL Grand Final will go uh, this Saturday. Simon Hill's going to join us as well, the very respected uh, football commentator. The Socceroos take on New Zealand in an international friendly uh, tomorrow night. And that has been staged at Suncorp Stadium in Brisbane. Uh, today, Ange Postacoglu, by the way, flew into Australia because he came here to promote the Sydney Super Cup that will be happening in November. Celtic will come down and play in that with Everton and the two Sydney teams in the A-League, Sydney FC and the Western Sydney Wanderers. Simon Hill conducted, he was the MC of uh, the launch today. Ange Postacoglu was there, so we'll have a chat to Simon about what Ange had to say, plus so much more. So don't go away, stay with us, and you can join us anytime on the Temper at Bedshed Deck text line. That number is 0487 736 736. Or the Scarborough Toyota open line, 13.12.55. Double demerits apply from midnight tomorrow night until midnight Monday for drink or drug driving, not wearing a seatbelt or running a red light. Get caught and you could lose your licence twice as fast. For Toolmart, the complete tool centre, this is Drive with Peter Vlahos. This is The Drive Show with Peter Vlahos. Coming up very shortly, I'll let you know the Perth Football Club have appointed their brand new WAFL coach. I'll tell you who that is. And also the West Coast Eagles have delisted three players. I'll tell you who they are very shortly. But as I mentioned uh, a little while ago, I spoke to Troy Cook, uh, the man that uh, played with the Sydney Swans for three seasons and then came back to Fremantle. Uh, and I wanted to relive his times there at the SCG. I welcome Troy to drive. Thanks, Peter. Thanks for having us on. Ah, uh, well, of course, uh, Sydney Swans. You're part of that club for three years. In fact, you were drafted to Sydney the year that they got to the grand final in 1996. Yeah, that's right. It was a uh, yeah, it's a bit of a surreal time actually. So I had a pretty good season in the uh, in the waffle here, and um, yeah, it's pretty funny actually. Well, it was actually my brother's a massive Essendon supporter. So I was actually barracking for Essendon when Plugger kicked that point to get him into the grand final <laughs> the week before. So, uh, yeah, you know, fast forward a, a month and a half later, um, I find myself on, yeah, on, on Sydney's list. So it was actually, actually pretty funny. Who was the first person that contacted you about uh, being drafted to Sydney? Do you remember those days when the Swans expressed interest in a young Troy Cook from the Perth Footy Club? Yeah, it was uh, Ricky Barham, actually. Uh, a long time ago, yeah, he, he said that they were, they were interested and that didn't guarantee anything. Um, and uh, for the interest that I got, I, I wasn't, I was definitely going east. Um, and it was just a sort of a matter of where. Um, but yeah, found myself at Sydney and it was a uh, yeah, bit scary at the time. You know, coming mm. from, I'm from Carnarvon originally. Yeah. And the space of four years of moving out of Carnarvon, I found myself over the other side of the world, well, I thought at the time, going to Sydney. Uh, but, you know, them making that grand final that year and 
And it was all, you know, all about having a crack, really, and, and you know, playing my first AFL game, hopefully, and, and that was a goal. I was never never not going to go. And, and then I really didn't, did enjoy my time over there. Yeah. Of course, you played finals in 1997, but you got eliminated in the first final. I think you finished sixth after the home and away games, didn't you? Yeah, that's right. I was, I was lucky enough to play a couple of finals uh, campaigns over there and only short-lived. And, and so when you look at look back at them now, you know, you, you know, I was pretty young and you know, more caught up in actually you know, excited to be on the list and didn't really know what it meant to me until... You know, you know, when you step away from the game and exiting out of it, you know, you know, whether you could have done a bit more while you're in that time, and uh, you know, but you know, definitely a lot of learnings along the way, and and uh, you know, to be a part of a side that was, uh, you had some, some amazing plays in there as well. It's interesting you mentioned uh, Tony Plugger Lockett. Of course, when you went to Sydney, they had some superstars there, didn't they? Yeah, mate, I was I was lucky. My my footy really did get fast tracked on the back of. Uh, you know, uh, the players of that club, um, you know, you talk about Plugger, uh, you know, Paul Kelly, um, Paul Ruse, Mark Bays, young Michael O'Loughlin, uh, Andrew Dunkley, Darren Creswell, uh, and then, you know, Adam Goods came the next year with Jude, Jude Bolton, Brett Kirk. So a lot of these, a lot of these players, you know, really did fast track my development as a footballer. Uh, but also, you know, for me to attach myself with some of, you know, the really great trainers within that club and, and, and really sort of, you know, what it needed to, what you needed to, you know, to do, you know, to be a, one, a successful player, but you know, also, you know, the grind of AFL and what, what's, you know, what, the, quick, the commitment that comes with it. But, yeah, like I said, enjoyed my time, and, and Rod Need was a coach, and, you know, you had to grow, you know, grow thick skin pretty fast. <laughs> <laughs> he was, uh, yeah. He, was, uh, he had a great, he had a great set of lungs on him, I'll give you a tip. Yeah, no, he's a passionate man, uh, Rocket Eat, who I feature here on the program quite regularly. He's a good fella. Uh, can I ask you, you only spent the three years at Sydney. On reflection, looking back, would you have liked to have stayed a bit longer? Oh, definitely. I, I had a really good relationship with all the players there at the time. And because and my first year, I played 20 games. The next year, 18. But I only played five in my last year. And, and for me, it was all about opportunity. Um, they... You know, they recruited in Wayne Swass, you know, from North Melbourne. You know, he's a gun footballer as well. So it sort of forced me out of the midfield a little bit. Uh, and the way I found myself at Frio was, you know, Damien Drum was assistant coach at the time when I was there uh, at Sydney. And when he got the job at Frio, yeah, he, he liked the way I played. And, and you yeah, know, they, they did a deal with the Swannies. And like I said, it was all about opportunity for me and for me to come back close to the family and friends and, the deal was done, and yeah, I was playing for, you know, playing for for Fremantle just after the three years. You mentioned some of those names that were there at the Sydney Swans. All of a sudden, Troy Cook was one of the big names at the Frio Footy Club. But you came to Frio, and things weren't like Sydney, were they? Where they were quite successful. It was tough times for a few years there, wasn't it, at the Dockers? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, really tough times. You know, you come into a side where. You know some of those names that I reeled off. You know, probably only the, the notable name was you know Tony Tony Modra, I think. Mm. You know, Adrian Fletcher to a extent, you know, Dale Kickett, and it was really a club that you know we're a little bit disjointed where we trained and our our home where you know where we were based and you know you know just trying to you know to have a little bit of success and continue success, but it did was really hard to do at the time. And you know, we had a pretty lean year in that 2001 season where we only won a couple of games. Uh, you know, but then, you know, for myself, really, you know, being able to be a part of the, you know, the side that they got out, got us into the, into that first final against Essendon, <laughs> which, 
uh, some pretty bad memories about. <laughs> I played. I had. I played about. Oh, since I came back, every game up until that. You know, the game before that final, and I broke my ankle against the Eagles, and, and I missed the first final on the back of that after playing, you know, 88 games straight. Yeah, <laughs> that wasn't a good right. time. That's right. You played 88 regular games straight, a club record for consecutive games at the time. So you were a bit of a machine. So, Troy, before we go back to the grand final and get your thoughts on this year's grand final, are you surprised what's happening at Fremantle with the amount of players that are looking at opportunities? You mentioned opportunities. That's why you left Sydney to come to Frio. Frio's on the way up. They've had a pretty good 2022, and all of a sudden there's at least half a dozen players that are looking for other opportunities. Are you surprised with what's going on? Well, maybe one in a couple of those cases, but I think there's, you know, you look, look back over you know, each year, you know, there's a fair bit of player movement, um, and, you know, some of that's probably driven by opportunity. Some of those players did have that opportunity, but, you know, Money plays a big factor in, in some of their decisions, and you know, being able to set themselves up, you know, in that regard, which is you know, these players every right to do. So if they, yeah, if they aren't committed to you know to be a part of the club, that's I think still on the way up. Um, you know, some of those players and every player really can be replaced, and and I think Freo and proven that they have done over the over the years, especially over the last couple of years. You now they'll, they'll dig in and get get the best. Um, you know, compensation for for those players who who, who want to leave, uh, and yeah, make sure they yeah they play hardball and, and and get some of the yeah that conversation that you know, compensation that will make them a you know successful club or, or hopefully get some you know some players that can replace them and and you know, people want to be there. I'm mm. a big believer, mate. If you don't want to be there, and you want to go, then mate, that, that's great. Go yeah. go. We'll yeah. get people who want who's committed to you know to be a part of the footy club and want to make a difference there. So, yeah, for me, you know, players want to move on. Everyone's replaceable. And if they don't want to be there, then, you know, that's fine. Yep, just show them the door. Uh, Troy Cook, we're speaking to you. Finally, Troy, grand final day on Saturday. Firstly, how are you going to spend it and where will you watch it? And your thoughts on who's likely to win it? Uh, I think I'm going to, yeah, to function at, at a crown, I think. So I'll be there with a, with a few other parts, um, you know, Frio players and watch it. Um you know, I actually played a joke on Mickey Lock and I said, I'm coming over and I need 10, <laughs> 10 tickets to the game. So he just laughed back at me. Uh, but I think, like I said, you know, Geelong, I think the best two sides in the, in the, you know, in the, in the final. Um, you know, Geelong's got to be hard to beat. But, you know, the, the games that, that, that Sydney play, you know, they're, they're able to sort of, you know, shut down, you know, the you know, avenues of goal at times. And, that, you know, especially with them, they've got to make sure they do it for a long period of time. And I think that's where Geelong... Probably has upper hand with those two big key forwards and Cameron and and Hawkins, you know, trying to stop them. And you got Stingle on the, you know, crumb and the ball as well. You know, obviously proven all Australian this year. Uh, you know, but it, you know, you've seen over this this whole final series how tight and exciting it is. And I think the the club that can, you know, bring that you know intense pressure pressure for, you know, the majority of the game will put themselves in a the position, you know, to you know to you know, to be in front and, you know, taking their opportunities once they present themselves because I think it'll be hard to score yeah. on the weekend. Well, Cookie, you're a good man. You're still involved with football. For those people that may not know what you're doing currently, tell us more. Uh, yeah, still involved with footy uh, at the Waffle level. Um, yeah, with the Perth Footy Club, board member there. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, we haven't had the year that we hope to have and we're just, uh, yeah, we're looking for a new coach at this stage. So, yeah, we're just going through the process of that the moment. Mm. Are you far from announcing a, uh, a new coach, do you think? Uh, we, we, we just sort of you know, ticked off on a couple of interviews now, so uh, hopefully we'll, we'll 
you know, discuss that through during the week and, and uh, yeah, notify yeah, on the decision that we make. So, yeah, probably mm. by the end of the week, I think. Yeah, good stuff. All right, Troy, thanks for joining us, mate. Really nice to uh, reminisce about those years that you had at the Sydney Swans. Your thoughts on Fremantle and uh, you feel that the Cats may have a few too many guns uh, against the Sydney Swans uh, this weekend. Thanks for joining us, mate, and we'll talk again soon. All right, thanks, mate. Thanks for having us. Take care. Your complete tool centre. Proudly WA owned and operated for over 40 years. This is The Drive Show with Peter Vlahos. Welcome back to Drive with Peter Vlahos here on SENWA. Wherever you may be listening, of course, on SEN 657 in Perth, SEN Spirit uh, 621 in Bunbury in the southwest, in our mighty goldfields at SEN 1611 on DAP Plus at SEN Peel, or wherever you may be around the country, around the world. Great to have you on board on the SENWA app. Let's talk football, the world game, because the Socceroos are gearing up, as we know, for the World Cup. Gets underway the 20th of November there in Qatar. And tomorrow night at Suncorp Stadium in Brisbane, they will play their final home game as they prepare for other matches in Europe ahead of the big World Cup opener for the Socceroos. Well, a man that will be calling the game on Network 10 tomorrow night, it's an 8 o'clock kickoff there in Brisbane, is Simon Hill, very respected football commentator. Simon, thanks for your time and thanks for spending it with us here on SENWA. Pleasure, Peter. How are you? Very well. Uh, You just got back for about six weeks on leave and I believe you saw a bit of football over there in the UK. Yeah, it was a bit of a bit of a bossman's holiday. Um, <laughs> obviously, the football season was uh, was in full swing in the UK, so I took full advantage of that and went to see my beloved Manchester City on three occasions and uh, caught another couple of games. I went up to Scotland and saw St Johnston Aberdeen, courtesy of a, uh, a very kind ticket offer from Ryan McGowan, Socceroos. Uh, so, yeah, I enjoyed it, and uh, you know, it's it's always great to go and to go and watch the team that you support or supported as a kid, and I have done ever since. Uh, and nice to see him win. I even got to go with my old man as well, which was lovely. Oh, nice touch. Uh, and they are certainly the team to run down this season after what has been a, a very stuttering start by the likes of Liverpool and, of course, the team in red in that city, Manchester United. Yeah, well, United have, have come back a little bit in recent weeks. Obviously, they lost their first two fixtures to Brighton and to Brentford, and uh, the Knives... It seemed we're out already for Eric Ten Hag. I did see one meme that was doing the rounds on social media uh, that had renamed him Eric Ten Weeks. Um, but <laughs> I, I think, you know, that they're back in the groove to a certain degree. You can see what he's trying to do. I don't think United are going to challenge City this year for the championship. Uh, Liverpool has been the big surprise, really. Uh, they've had a very poor start by their lofty standards, just not really at the races. And I do wonder if there's a a little bit of a hangover from last season where, of course, they, they went so close to winning uh, the unprecedented quadruple but fell short in two competitions at the end. Sometimes it can be difficult to, you know, lift yourself a little bit. Mo Salah hasn't looked quite his old self. They've lost Sadio Mane. Uh, defensively, they've looked a little bit shaky. But, you know, it's still very early days in England. And uh, I, I think Liverpool will still be City's closest challengers, although Arsenal and Tottenham are both much improved this season as well. Well, of course, many years ago, I worked with uh, a man that was known as Mr Football at SBS TV, the late Les Murray. But, of course, Simon Hill, uh, you could almost carry, uh, not to the degree of Les Murray, but in some ways at uh, the Mr Football tag, because you're across everything that happens in football in this country 
and overseas. And I believe this morning you may have been That's the right. you may have been the MC at a the launch of the Sydney Super Cup that'll see Celtic down here later this year. And Ange actually flew back into Australia. Ange Postecoglou. How did that go? And what do you have to say? Yeah, it was good to see Ange. Haven't seen him in a while. Um, he was in good form this morning. Uh, there to launch the Sydney Super Cup, which, uh, of course, is taking place uh, around the time of the World Cup. I think it starts on the 17th of, of November, uh, involving his club Celtic, Everton as well from the Premier League, and uh, Sydney FC and Western Sydney Wanderers from, from the A-League competition as well. Um, <coughs> excuse me. Ange was, uh, yeah, he was in fine form. Uh, obviously, he's, you know, his club is going well, although he did point out that uh, they've just lost their first game of the season against St Mirren last weekend and the fans have let him know all about it and he said that's the pressure that comes with being at, at a club the size of Celtic. Uh, I, I think he's doing a terrific job there. He won the Scottish Premier League title and the Scottish League Cup of course last year. He wants to make a big impression in the Champions League um, but I, th- I think he's just in his element really. That, that's the sort of job he's he's wanted all his life to be involved in a you know, real passionate football culture, which he's certainly got in Glasgow. And uh, if he keeps on winning trophies, then the links with the English Premier League are going to continue to come. I see he's already been uh, quite closely linked with the Leicester City job, should Brendan Rodgers uh, get the flick. Uh, He was linked with the Brighton job as well. Um, He was playing that down, of course, as he has to do, given that he's under contract at Celtic saying that his focus is very much on, on his job at the moment. But uh, I, I think if, if, a, if a big club from the Premier League comes in in the next 12 months, I wouldn't be surprised if, uh, if Ange is tempted further south, particularly as that's you know the league he grew up watching. He was a big Liverpool fan as a kid. So I think ultimately that's where we might see him. Interesting. Anyway, good to see Ange back in Australia. Simon, let's look at the match tomorrow night at Suncorp. You'll be calling it for Network 10. Australia hosting New Zealand, Suncorp Stadium, and these two nations have played quite uh, frequently over the time. I see they've uh, met 62 times. Australia holds 38 wins. New Zealand, 13 wins. And the other 11 matches have been drawn. A real test for Australia as they prepare, as we know, with this friendly tomorrow night towards the World Cup in November. What do you expect to see? Well, I mean, the World Cup, as of tomorrow, is is two months away to the day, or at least Australia's first game in it against France. So this is the final opportunity, really, for a whole uh, truckload of fringe players, including the likes of Jason Cummings, Garan Kowal, Harrison Delbridge, Ryan Strain, Keanu Backus, all of whom are uncapped, uh, to put themselves forward and say to Graham Arnold, look, I, I want a seat on that plane to Qatar uh, in November. So th- there's a lot at stake for the players. Uh, it's a bit of a celebration as well, of course, uh, a chance for the fans to to wave the team off. Uh, Hus Hiddink is back in the country as, uh, as Graham Arnold's assistant for the day because Rene Mullenstein, his normal number two, is out actually scouting France in Europe tomorrow night. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it'll be great to see Kuss, and I'm sure the fans will love seeing him. And, of course, it's also uh, the celebration of the centenary of the Socceroos. Uh, they played their very first game against New Zealand in uh, Carisbrook, Dunedin, in 1922, uh, when the two captains were Alec Gibb and George Campbell. Uh, and it's set in train, this rivalry that's been going on for a century. And as such, Australia tomorrow will wear sky blue jerseys with a maroon trim 
And the reason why they'll wear that uh, kit is that back in 1922, uh, the first Australian team was selected from only two states, they being New South Wales, hence the sky blue, and Queensland with the maroon. Uh, the other states didn't get a look in for various reasons. Victoria didn't want to be involved. You won't be surprised to hear that politics had a, a part to play in that. <laughs> Some things never changed. South Australia couldn't afford it, and Western Australia was probably just too far off the map at that particular point in time. So uh, it'll be, uh, you know, a very uh, interesting cultural uh, affair tomorrow night. And I know there's a few uh, legends from the past going to be there, hopefully the likes of Rally Rassage and Frank Farina. So uh, a real celebration of, of not just uh, the modern-day Socceroos and what they're about to go and face in Qatar, but uh, also the history of the game, which... Unfortunately, in this country, as you well know, Peter, we ignore far too often. Yeah, I agree with you. Here, here. Um, and it would be a fantastic event. I'm looking forward to uh, watching the coverage, of course, called by Simon Hill. Saying that, um, Graham Arnold has picked a pretty extensive squad. I think there's 31 in the squad. Um, what will be the dynamics? How many do you think will get a run apart from the ones that will be will pick themselves? As we know, if you look at a starting 11, it almost picks itself for the Socceroos at the moment. But... How will he work, do you reckon, the squad tomorrow night? Uh, look, it's difficult to know. I mean, obviously, he can't just throw in, you know, 11 inexperienced players. Uh, so I think it'll have to be a mixture of, you know, the more established stars and maybe uh, some of those who are hoping to get on the plane uh, to Qatar. And I think he'll be looking at problem positions, uh, things that perhaps not quite settled in his mind. So, for example at right fullback, where Nathaniel Atkinson played against Peru, where Fran Karacic has, has had a go, where Ryan Grant is not necessarily out of the equation as yet, uh, where Ryan Strain, who's in this squad and who is playing well for St Mirren, uh, may be you know, worth having a look at. Uh, in the centre of defence, obviously he's got an injury concern over Harry Sutar, who may not make uh, the World Cup. Kai Rolls is, is out uh, of this camp because he's injured. So, Maybe we'll get a look at Harrison Delbridge, who is uncapped, playing in Korea for Incheon United. And the one that really interests me, he's been looking for a, a true number six, a holding midfielder for quite some time now, in the mould of, you know, perhaps a Vinnie Grella. So, you know, might we see Cameron Devlin, uh, the uncapped player from Hearts, who's, who's doing so well in the Scottish Premier League. Uh, and up top, of course, you're always looking for goal scorers. So Jason Cummings, Garan Kowal. I mean, I could go on and on. You can make a case for, for anybody in this squad to get a run uh, tomorrow night. Bear in mind, they've also got a game in four days' time, the return leg, if you like, against New Zealand in Auckland. So there are two matches in four days. And I fancy pretty much everyone in this squad will get a run at some point during those two matches. Uh, but I think tomorrow night it'll probably be a blend between the experienced guys uh, and some of those fringe players that I've mentioned. And just before we uh, throw a question about, uh, I know that uh, James Johnson made a, a statement today regarding a second tier to the A-League, possibly as early as next season. Uh, I'd like to throw you that question, whether you think that's the way to go. But before we leave the international friendly tomorrow night, New Zealand, of course, their head coach is Danny Hay, who spent some time here in Western Australia as a central defender mm -hmm. with the Perth Glory during his A-League career. What do you expect from the All-Whites? Uh, yeah, well, I think he was voted most glorious player twice yes. uh, during his days with, with Perth Glory. Um, great playing career, played in the Champions League as well with Leeds United. Uh, but it's, it's, it's difficult to know, really. From Obviously, they're, they're smarting from not qualifying for the World Cup. They feel as though... They should have beaten Costa Rica. They haven't 
played Australia in 11 years. They haven't beaten Australia in Australia since 1998. And there is talk that the New Zealand team might go into a six-month hiatus after these internationals, which some of the players, most notably Chris Wood, probably their highest profile uh, player at the moment, has said is, is ridiculous. And, you know, they need to be playing games. These well it could well be Danny Hayes' last matches in charge. His contract runs out at the end of the month. Uh, he's indicated that he's un uncertain as to whether he's going to stay in the job because of that proposed hiatus. There are financial problems for the Federation because of not qualifying for the World Cup. So they're in a bit of a state of flux. Um, whether that galvanises them in the two games against Australia, I don't think they need much motivation playing the Aussies to you and vice versa. So I think there'll be two very competitive games, probably very physical as they normally are. And I think New Zealand will give Australia a pretty good test. Yeah, honest. of course. Simon Hill uh, will be covering it on Network 10 tomorrow night. Six o'clock, it gets underway here in Western Australia. An 8 p.m. kickoff there at Suncorp Stadium in Brisbane. Just as I let you go, of course, uh, a story that came through today is that Football Australia's CEO, James Johnson, uh, did a road show, no doubt expressing and talking to various individuals and clubs about the possibility of a second tier of national football in this state. And he reckons the national second division is going to possibly happen as early as 2023. Your thoughts on that, Simon? Yeah, I don't think it'll happen in 2023. I think it's it's a bit too soon for, from the point of, in time where we're at now. Uh, I think 2024 might be more realistic, but there's, look, there's no doubt that we need it. Um, we need more opportunities for our young players. There are only 11 professional clubs in Australia, if you exclude Wellington Phoenix, or of course, based in New Zealand. And, you know, with regards to the national teams, that limits the amount of players that Graham Arnold has to, to select from. Um, so we, we have one of the smallest professional competitions in world football. Uh, we need to expand that. Uh, we've certainly got a big enough player base to do that. Uh, the question as ever is, can the game afford it? And uh, that, that's the $64 million question. Um, it's up to the club's... Uh, to, to attract the right sort of sponsorship, to have their, their ducks in a row in terms of how they professionalise their clubs and, of course, the FA to run it prudently. Uh, but I, I think there's no doubt that everybody in the game wants it. Uh, what the makeup of it looks like, I, I've no idea. I think there are 30 clubs in the umbrella AAFC organisation that have in, uh, intimated that they want to be a part of it. Um, so it will come down to money in the end. But uh, do we want it? Do we need it? Absolutely. Yeah. Sooner the better. And you'll have a couple of clubs already putting their hands up, the likes of the Powerhouse Club in Melbourne, South Melbourne, who for many years were one yeah. of the big clubs in the old NSL. And, of course, uh, Sydney United 58, who, of course, have got through to the Australia Cup final. They'd be also another club that would be pretty keen to get involved. Simon, it's been a pleasure. Look forward to your call uh, tomorrow night, mate. should be terrific. Australia against New Zealand, as you mentioned, the first of two games, uh, the other one being played down there in the land of the long white cloud. Uh, great calling, and thanks for joining us uh, here on the program this evening. Thanks, Pete. Have a great week, mate. Always a pleasure to have a chat to Simon Hill, our world football expert here on the SEN Drive with Peter Vlahos. That's the show. Hope you've enjoyed it. I'll be back again tomorrow, even though it's a public holiday. Uh, I'll be back with Kim Hagdorn tomorrow night at 5 o'clock to have a look at the AFL Grand Final teams and how they're likely to line up plus everything else that's happened in AFL during the course of the week. And no doubt Kim will have his say on the, the big issue today. 
that's involved the Hawthorne Football Club. Look forward to your company tomorrow night from 5, right here on SEN.